Welcome to the Understory Bard Podcast, where I talk about entrepreneurship, self-producing your own creative projects, and writing as a service. Admission to the Understory is free, but understanding always has a price. Let's light the lantern. What is up, creator? Wade, the understory bard here. And today, the interview series continues with talking to Ryan Dietrich. Ryan, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. I like to say that uh, you you take care of the eastern portion of uh, Chattistan. You protect it for us. <laughs> that is true. Although, yeah. I mean, you're in the eastern portion, right? Yeah, that's. I guess that's true. You're my friend. A little south then. of me. You're my you're my my northern flank. Haley is so. too, right? Or is she is she central? Is she technically central time? I don't I don't know. She's oh, I think I'm not sure where she is, but we're talking she's about Ten- you. I mean, she's in Tennessee. That's she's kind of where I want to be. You know, my wife and I have thought about moving down there for probably like the last two years now. So well, you you know, when you start thinking about stuff like that, it's, it gets a life of its own. That's how I ended up here in Virginia Beach. But mm-hmm. well, I'm excited to talk to you today. I know that we obviously we talk every day. Uh, but I think you have a lot of interesting things to share and let's do for the people that don't know you, let's do a little bit of an origin story. So like what part of the country are you in? Give me like two or three minute synopsis of what you think is important and how you kind of got there. Yeah. So I'm based out of Pittsburgh, PA. So we live in rural suburbia, probably 40 minutes east of Pittsburgh. And uh, it's kind of funny, you know, as as I've gotten older and as my kids are getting older, we're like inching our way further and further away from the city. I don't know if you noticed that with like your stuff, but it's like every couple of years we're like moving 10 minutes further east, which is pretty interesting. Um, so got my start in uh, kind of this space honestly, back in high school, um, I never really gave much thought to writing in general. And I ended up um, kind of just getting pulled into some like little competitions and things from teachers who were just like, listen, you excel at this. Like, I'd love to pull you in for like reading competitions, writing comprehension competitions, that kind of stuff. And so I did it and ended up kind of having like this knack for writing. And then I kind of forgot about it, went to college, um, actually for physical therapy, because my other interest is within the health and wellness space. You know, I played sports for 16 years, um, played baseball till I was about 20. And so that was my other interest. And then I get to college, take, you know, biomechanics, biology, intro to chemistry, all this kind of stuff. And my brain kind of explodes with the information. I'm like, this is horrible. I'm studying 40 hours a week. I'm, I'm going to die. I just, I just want to be here and have fun. And so kind of finagled myself away from that and then ended up, um, being very confused in what I wanted to do within college. I, I was very confused what I wanted to study there as well as professionally. And my junior year, I remember, uh, just sitting in my dorm room praying, you know, I'm a Christian. We talk about that a lot. And really kind of it was the first time where I, I, I almost audibly heard God speak to me and, and tell me to get out of my comfort zone. And so at the time, um, I was an introvert, uh, an extreme in, introvert, not even just 
an introvert. And I, I felt like God told me, you know, to get out of my comfort zone and do something that I would never think of doing. And so I ended up studying communications and I, I specialized specifically in journalism and professional writing. And, um, that was kind of that in that regard. And so I, I spent the next two years studying that and pursuing different outlets in that, in that regard and left college, ended up working initially at a Chick-fil-A as the assistant marketing director, shifted over to like agency work and um, worked in like a small local agency and kind of eventually found my way out of agency life and into uh, working in customer success. And I'm, I'm not too sure where that transition happened, but yeah, so I spent, I've spent the last handful of years professionally working within the customer experience and customer success space. Um, right now I'm, I'm working for a SaaS platform that, uh, focuses on email retention. And so I'm, I'm the customer success lead there. And I, I work closely with our product support manager, our marketing director and our CEO. I muted myself in accident. So, uh, yeah, there's a couple of things I want to talk about there. First, let's talk yeah. about like forgetting about writing because I had a, a similar experience where, you know, I, I I was more I started more on the creative writing side and I was like, I'm going to write a book. Right. And then I wrote this novel, which was the most onerous experience, like an albatross around <laughs> my neck experience ever. Um, but just because I didn't understand writing at all, like I didn't mm -hmm. have any writing mentors, I didn't have any I, you know, I didn't do any creative writing in school. Um, but I was just drawn to it. And then I literally just stopped doing it. Right. And then I returned to it. Like, so when you say that you forgot about it and then there was a return, did you have a different view on it when you came back to it? Or was that part of this kind of this communications communications move pivot that you made? Or what was it like getting back and starting to do the writing again? Yeah. So it's definitely a mix. So, I mean, I came from it from a, from an academic background. And so um, I didn't like writing from an academic background, you know, where you, you basically, you know, every writing starts with like a thesis statement and then you kind of break into everything in the paragraphs, like preceding it. And it was, it was very like <clears throat> robotic and I just, it, I didn't enjoy it. Like there was no creativity behind it. And then, you know, I, I initially had thought about pursuing it in college, like just going right into college doing marketing and professional writing. Um, but everyone told me like that, you know, the typical, there's no money in this. There's no point in pursuing this. You either need to be a doctor, a lawyer, a pharmacist, whatever. And like, that was the only way that you were ever going to make money in life. And so this was back in, you know, 2009, 2010. That's when I shifted into college. And so I, I believed everyone. These were, these were the people who, I would have considered mentors and uh, influences within my life. You know, my father, um, teachers, other other individual sports coaches, right? And so I took their word for it and dove right into like the physical therapy, and I hated it. Like it was so the the undergrad degree would have been exercise science, and I just I despised every moment of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's not hide how you really feel about it. So you're kind of telling me that you loved it. It was like a your life's calling. The writing? No, or no the... I was making a joke. I was making a joke. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel that because so the, the only writing that I did was I got back into, um, well, I, I was forced to do it for legal writing, right? So, like, legal writing is exactly the same thing. It's, it's there's an actual formula. It's called IRAC, right? Which is, like, what's the issue, you know, and then it, you just do IRAC, and then you do it again, 
and then you do it again and then you do it again right and uh it's not there's no it's just like being a robot like a writing robot so i totally understand that and so like okay so you get out of college you have this degree or i don't know if you finished it or not or whatever it's irrelevant um as a writer you don't you know, literally you need a pen and a piece of paper um and so then so then you, you roll out of college and you have this exercise background, then what happened next then? And so you were, you kind of said you got into customer success. Did you go run into customer success or what was that, that gap in between? Was that the Chick-fil-A time then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I did, I did finish college, you know, okay. I do, I do have my degree <clears throat> and, um, you're not going to make it on money Twitter then, man. Money Twitter says college. Know, right. But no. Yeah. So I, I shifted into the Chick-fil-A job mm-hmm. and that was, that was just part-time. Like that wasn't even full-time and then shifted kind of over to agency work. And like, so this would have been, Oh man, 20, I want to say 2015, 2016. And I, dude, I was making 24 grand a year before taxes at this agency, you know, writing tons of blog content, social content, uh, newsletters, emails uh, we were doing, at one point I was handling like a large part of the, like their direct mail campaigns as well. And, um, you know, at the time that that was a lot of money for me cause I was fresh out of college and I didn't really understand that people were making exponentially more money doing that stuff at, at agencies downtown. And I yeah. would love to know how much money you generated from that, from that work. You know what I mean? Like, so oh, probably it, thinking of just like, the big clients that they had. So I, I think when I worked there, they maybe had 17 or 18, like the top three gross amounts of money. every Yeah. Month. Yeah. And well, that's, a, and that's the the whole problem. It's not a problem, but that is the, the arbitrage game, right? Where it's yeah. like, we're going to pay you as just enough to make you work as hard as possible for us and not quit. Right. Yeah. And so if, yeah. if I can get you to do that for 24,000, it'll be 24,000. Yeah. Or, you know, and I may be making, cause that's their incentive, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that, but I think a lot of, a lot of creative people and writers misunderstand the game they're playing. They think they're playing the creative game and being a creative person when actually they're just being exploited in the arbitrage game. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and I, I kind of recognize that fairly early on, just things didn't add up there. And I mean, it, it was, it was enough to, for me to get by at the time I was living in a studio apartment by myself, but like, similar scenario of, of other people that of, of, I was living off of ramen noodles for half my meal from Aldi's. Like that's the, the, that was my lunch almost every day. And I would occasionally mix in like ground beef, right? Like I'd go home, fry up ground beef and shove it in the ramen noodles. And it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like organic grass fed, grass finished. Like I eat now it was just run of the mill, probably the grossest sludge beef you could find at, the store. And so that, yeah, so I did that for probably 14 or 15 months. And uh, what's funny is I ended up getting laid off because they lost, they lost their big two clients, like within three days of each other. And so uh, not that, your fault, not your fault. That's what you no, say. It was not, was not fault. my fault. Yes. No, <laughs> not at all. And uh, no, it was, um, I mean, small agency, right? Like there were maybe 11 of us that worked there and three, were let go that day. And mine was mostly, I was the youngest person there by mm-hmm. a lot. Like mm-hmm. I, so I would have been 20, 24 at the time. And for reference, you know, I'll be 32 in a couple of months. And, uh, yeah, I was the youngest by, by nearly 10 years. And so 
that was kind of the reasoning, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything to do with the work I was doing or anything like that. It was just other people had families, mouths to feed, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was freshly dating my, my wife and we, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I ended up being laid off and then, um, that was kind of at a time where like finding a job was kind of challenging to be honest. And I know it still is, it might, you know, I'd say it's harder now than it was then, but I ended up, I ended up working out like Walmart. I worked in the back room of Walmart doing like supply chain work in our big like distribution center out here. And so I did that for a while. I uh, ended up marrying my wife. She got pregnant with our, our daughter and found myself uh, just kind of weaving through different things like that until I ended up, I found myself at a uh, healthcare startup. So I was, I was the patient experience lead there. And I, I basically helped manage a team of medical assistants and, and worked in the, uh, the B2C side of the business when it came to like the, it was like an outpatient clinic, essentially. What do you like about the the health space? Cause I know a lot of your writing is, it takes, has taken place and yeah. you know, your goal is to expand your writing in the health space, you know, on that side. Like, so yeah. what is it about the health space that you like? Because I know that you're like me in terms of, you know, we buy, we try to buy cows like from the 1950s yeah. and antibiotics and grass fed and, you know, and yeah. super lean and, and, um, <laughs> you know, what is it that attracts you to that space? Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, I brought it up earlier, but I mean, I played sports my whole life and I was, I've always been someone, I enjoyed playing sports. I don't like watching sports. Like I haven't watched a single sporting event in five years. I, I, I get crucified for it. Like not even the Super Bowls. People, especially over on Twitter, they rip me apart. Anytime I talk about it, they I'm I they come at me. It's it's like I'm attacking alcohol and everything else that they love within their life. You know what I mean? And so, um, but I always loved playing sports. And you know, I've always viewed, I've always viewed the body as as your temple. You know, uh, it is. We are as Christians. You know, we we believe that our bodies are borrowed you know god gave us these bodies to live in during our time here on earth and i've always taken that seriously outside of outside of fraternity life in college i kind of abused my body there gained a ton of weight and so um really really it sparked the year i left college so i graduated and i came home and within the first month of being home two things happened one my close friend Nick invited me to come help serve at youth ministry. He he was just offered the youth pastor position at our church. And so um, the whole program was restarting. Uh, they had four high school students. He was just offered the youth pastor position. And then he had um, his wife, who was then his fiance, Emily, was the only individual volunteering there. And he was like, I need someone to help. And, you know, we were high school friends. You know, we met each other at 15, 16 years old. So I did that. And then simultaneously, Emily was working at a chiropractic office. And so she was like, listen, if you're going to do all this stuff with with my soon to be husband, you're going to come over here too and get healthy as well. And, you know, so at the time I'm 250 pounds. I, I drank four days a week in college, totally kind of foregoed my faith kind of across the board and, and lived a, a pretty debaucherous college life, to be honest with you, like a total 180 from where I'm at right now. And so I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll, I'll come see the chiropractor. I know I have upper back issues anyways. And um, so lo and behold, the chiropractor, Dr. Aaron Tressler, opened my eyes to, to pretty much everything uh, when it came to fitness, nutrition, chiropractic care, 
how to take care of your body, what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating, different things that you're injecting into your body, you know, wink, wink, all that kind of stuff. And so we still go there. Uh, you know, the, the office is like family at this point. We've been going for 10 years. My, my children love everyone there. It's genuinely, they're like family at this point, but that mixed with my wife worked for a functional medicine practitioner, uh, Dr. Will Cole, real prominent guy within the space. And, um, basically between, between Dr. Tressler and, and all of that, and my wife working for the functional medicine expert for four years, you can't not just become obsessed with everything that's going on because it, it opens, it opens up so many doors to, to seeing the faulty aspects of like the modern medical system across the board and even just like the modern food system. And so all of that is really kind of what sparked everything for me. And then just going back to my roots of enjoying sports and, and, and exercising in general. So that, that led me to actually, I, I hold multiple certifications within like the strength coaching and fitness space. And so I, I actually can legally practice and train people in like 150 different countries. That's kind yeah. of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, I think in the last few years have taught us anything, it is the, the ignorance of the modern medical field in terms of just like nutrition, for, nutrition, for example, or whatever. Yeah. And, you, and you don't even have to go, you know, it's so sad because people are like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. It's like, well, you don't, you know, yeah, you can go down that rabbit hole of conspiracy theory and sure. start talking real mad, right? But let's just start with the food pyramid, mm -hmm. right? Let's just start with nutrition. We don't even have to go past those things, right? Right. And, um, and I think what's so cool about health is that like there is a, there are results in health. So, the, you know, I have a, a client that I write for who is a regenerative farmer, right? And so, they, you know, they have a, a, a health, a clean health line and, and all that kind of stuff and, and uh, for products and stuff. And, and like they, you know, there are results. So you can say, hey, this person did this and they felt better. You know what I mean? Um, and that's the great thing about the health field is that there's there's tangible results of helping people's yeah. lives and making their lives better. And that's definitely something that is that is worthwhile to to do as a writer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Instead of a story, instead of like, Oh, I'm going to write this copy about how to describe a, an oversized blouse for a fashion company or something. Right. Or some info product that 98% of the people who purchase it are never going to even look at. You know what I mean? And and you're you're pretty much touching on it of, of just the actual tangible results from anything within the health and wellness space. And that that was that was big for us. I mean, we were we were patient zeros for ourselves, you know, my wife and I. Like we we'll never tell anyone to do something that we haven't done for extended periods of time. And, and that's, that's what it was for us. You know, the, the big, the big turning point was when uh, my wife had a miscarriage. So like her, our first pregnancy was miscarriage and, you know, she was on birth control for nine, 10 years at the time. Um, we didn't eat well, didn't exercise well, all that kind of stuff. And we had a miscarriage and it was, pretty traumatizing for her way more than it was for me. I didn't, I didn't really understand what was going on at the time. And, um, the functional medicine expert that she had worked for at the, at the time had suggested doing like a specific cleanse and, and kind of getting a couple of different things in order there. And we listened and did that. And not even three months later, she was pregnant with our daughter and it was 
the whole pregnancy was healthy. You know, I, I have a son as well, very healthy. And my wife's pregnant with our third that'll be here in a couple of months and also just a really healthy pregnancy. And so it, it's, it's a total 180 from the miscarriage up to now. And it was, there's no way that the health things that we did in that, in that season wasn't the largest contributing factor. And it, and it was, we, we, yeah, I can't really talk about it just so people don't really take it in a dogmatic way, but essentially we, we, she did a bone broth cleanse and, and a little bit more work there and pretty much cleared her whole gut out, her body out. And seriously, it's it, so that, that in and of itself was, that's, that's when I went, Oh my gosh, there is, so much here that we're missing that we need to take this seriously. Yeah. Well, what's nice about it too, is that, is that there are it, so like small changes to make huge results in health. Right. So for example, we just increased the amount of protein that we eat in my mm -hmm. family. And there was a noticeable, noticeable difference. Yeah. Right? We just stopped doing screens entirely right now. Some people are like, Oh my God, I stopped doing screens for the kids. I was like, yes, it was utter hell for the first Six weeks, right? Yeah. Six weeks that we did it, right? As they <laughs> detox from it. Yeah. And so we'll still watch a movie now or whatever, but it was like we were doing too much screens. And that you could see the change in your children. Like when you do something for your kids and you change something with your kids, and then you see the change, personality, happiness, all that instantly, you're like, you don't go back. Right. No. And then Never. if you start to fall off, and like for screens are a hard one, but like we just know we're like, oh, we have we can tell too much screens. So, and then we just dial it back, turn everything off. And then, you know what I mean? And so we're trying to find that balance, but yeah. that's the great thing about health is that it can have small things can have huge impacts because our bodies are so powerful. Yep. And I mean, screens are a big one for us. We, we started off no screens at all until they were at least one. And we, we've gotten a little bit more lenient. You know, they, they essentially get about an hour of TV a week. Um, whether that's a movie and the only movie they watch is The Greatest Showman. It's the only thing that's been on for three and a half years. I I have PTSD over it, but that's a totally different subject matter. But, you know, we don't we don't let them touch our phones. They don't play video games and and they're a bit too young to play video games anyways, but they don't. And I can't even begin to explain the number of times I'm in a store and a grandmother, a mother, a father, a worker, like an employee at the store comes up to me and and talks about how well behaved my children are. And I'm not exaggerating when I say, you know, my daughter, she'll be she'll be five here in a few months. And my son just turned two. Um, we've never experienced a single meltdown in a store one time. And that's not because we're super strict at home. We don't scream or yell at our kids. We don't really spank or do anything in that regard. You know, I think there's other ways to, to, uh, raise your children. And again, you can reserve those for moments I have, but really it's, it's the screens. I attribute a lot of it to the food that they're putting in their body and the screens. And, you know, we're at, at the store. I mean, how often do you go to a store and you, how many kids are on screens? It, it's the large majority of them. You know, I, I've seen 12 year old kids sitting in the back of a cart just on an iPad, like mouthing off to their mom because their mom is telling them to put it down or to help them, you know, load up the cart, whatever that looks like. And so, yeah, it's interesting. We've I mean, it's been dozens upon dozens of times that I, I've had I've had a grandmother or a mother or someone come up to me and say, how do you do this with your children? And I, I flat out tell them it's the foods you're giving them in the screens. And they 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 look at me like I'm I'm some like voodoo 
witch doctor when I say it. It's and that kind of like breaks my brain a little bit. Like my gears are my gears don't turn when I see their reactions to it because it's just like, why is this so taboo? Like, why is that so shocking? Well, and it's just because it's it's what everyone else is doing. And, you know, and I want to make sure it's like I, I never judge anything that other people do ever with our kids because like I'm going to screw up my own kids plenty. I'm sure. Yeah, we right? all do. Yeah, yep. exactly. And then, but if someone asks me, I'll be like, well, this is what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you have to figure out, cause like my son, particularly on the video games is I'll be very reluctant to buy him any kind of video games for a long time, if ever, because he's so it's like crack for him, you know, like it's just, however, yeah, me he's, too. that's how I am. Yeah, yeah. However he's wired. It's, he will not stop talking. He will not stop talking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so anyways, but that's a great thing about health is that it's not a one size fits all situation. I'm sure there are people out there whose kids are wired differently or whatever and disagree with us. And that's great. Go do your own thing. Right. Yep. Um, but because health is a very deep health is a very deep tent. Right. There's a lot of different ways into that journey. And there's a lot of different different things you can accomplish different things. So um, so do you find. OK, so now let's. So right now you're working in customer success. Yep. And then but also. Um, you're, you know, on the writing side, what are you doing on the writing side in terms of on the business side of writing? Yeah. So I initially started my, I guess, if you will, like freelance journey with just copywriting. You know, I had, I had written copy in every job I had since graduating college. And even, even in college, I, I interned at basically like the, I think it was like the business accelerator. I think that's what they called it within the business department. And and it's essentially, you know, you've a, you've a group of, probably eight to 10 students every semester that goes and and interns for all of the local businesses who need marketing work, essentially marketing and business work, but just don't have the funds to do it. And so I was the only one from the communications department that actually interned there. Um, it was kind of like a weird scenario where I was able to do that. And so I, I ended up writing a lot of copy there, but I had just done it on the side for so long. And, um, Again, I, I I knew I was good at it, but I didn't I didn't know how good I was at it until until my wife started kind of looking at different things I was doing and um like even like copy editing work that she would do for like her employer and different things she brought home. And she was like, You have to go do this. Like you're you're way too good not to do this. And so I, I kind of took the leap right around the same time that uh, Elon took over Twitter. I don't know. It just kind of weirdly lined up that way. And so that's kind of why I was on Twitter in the first place. Cause I was like, listen, this is a writing platform. This is probably the best way to promote a writing business. And so I dove into that and and I have done everything from writing web copy on websites and like the, the micro copy that you'll find within, within the websites to emails, landing pages, um, blog content, you know, I, I kind of, and, and there was no specific niche. I was, I was a generalist pretty much the whole time, but it was always a way to just make some quick extra money whenever we needed it. And, you know, I was, I was working at that agency for $24,000. I need extra money, you know, to, to do certain things. And so I would pick up odd jobs here and there. And, um, but that quickly evolved into maybe two months on Twitter, um, ghostwriting. And so, um, an individual reached out to me who he was the lead writer for a, a very prominent ghostwriting agency on Twitter and was just like, do you do any ghostwriting? And the only ghostwriting you think of is, you know, books, like what else is there, you know, when you first hear of it. And so I, I literally not sarcastically was like, 
do you mean books? And he was like, no, Twitter content. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And so, um, they gave me a trial run and I ended up working with them for a handful of months writing within their agency to, to help fill gaps that the lead writer wasn't able to, to do. It was just too, they grew too fast. And so the workload was there. And then I kind of shifted back into just getting back into email and like email copywriting, just because someone, someone basically approached me and was just like, why aren't you just focusing on email copywriting since you already work for an email retention platform? And I was like, yeah, why aren't I focusing on that? Like it was, it was, it was one of those moments where it, it was such a simple like light bulb moment, but I was like, am I stupid? Like, why haven't I thought of doing this? And so I started doing that for, for two different clients, you know, for, um, the latter half of 2023. And I, I just stopped working with them, you know, probably like two months ago. And so, um, and to no fault of mine or theirs, it was just, everything was going well and we just decided to mutually split. And so, yeah, so that's kind of how I landed in that realm. Um, and, you know, luckily enough for me, they were all, the majority of those clients were actually within the health and wellness space. It was within the health and wellness space. And then I've done work for individuals in the agency space as well. So. Well, what I like about your writing journey is one is that you started out doing volume reps for no money. Right. It's like I don't know any writer at all that gets paid for what they do that didn't have to kind of like break in somewhere and write a ton for crap money. Like, I yep. don't know any, I'm sure they're out there and maybe I'll get an email and be like, Oh, I did this, but that's fine. But I mean, I mean, the thing about writing is the cool thing about it is there's no barrier to entry. Mm. The bad thing about it is there's no barrier to entry. Right. So like there's, there's, right. this, there's this huge glut of people willing to do it for very inexpensively, you know, yeah. in the entry level, which kind of forces you to say like, all right, well, this is where I got to kind of, you know, go, but then the only way to become better at a writer is to write a lot. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's James Patterson, you know, you know who James Patterson is the novelist. Yep. 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 Um, you know, there was for his first novel, uh, someone wrote a review for him and they said, I am, I am sure that James Patterson wrote a million words before he ever started this novel. Right. Like just, yeah, you know, that concept. And so, and when I read, when I read that, I was like, Oh, a million words. That seems like a lot, which actually it's not really a lot of words. If you really it's break not. it down when you're writing. Right. Yeah. Um, I've easily done a million words for sure. Me too. Um, and, but I love that about your story is because you're just like, Oh, and I'm not saying that people have to go out and write a crap job, but I, I don't, you just have to write a lot. There's no way around yeah. it. And the, the agency gave me a lot of work, you know what I mean? And when you, when you factor in how much I actually wrote there and what I was doing, it was, I was so far under my pay grade. Like it, it's ridiculous how much, how much I brought in for them with even, even just the social content, you know, that was, that was at a time when, you know, Facebook was super popular still. So, so writing content on Facebook was kind of like the go-to at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy how how much I grew pages and different things for their clients. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, it's just one of two things, right? Like people either get frustrated with that and then they quit and they don't do it anymore, or they kind of get a chip on their shoulder about like, nope, I'm getting paid now. You know, it's like <laughs> like Samuel L. Jackson, right? Like he worked so long. You know, he always talks about why he always insists that he gets paid a lot is because he worked for so many years not getting paid and so yeah that's that was that's his mindset as a creative person and i think that's true it's like it's like you know people balk but you can't they can't do if you're not a writer you can't do what a writer can do that's the whole reason why we get paid to do what we do right 
you know? And, um, and so, all right. So you're, you've gone through that writing process. You're in the email game. Now Um, you're looking, you know, you want to stay in the customer or in the, um, in the, uh, health space. Yep. What have you learned from your customer service work that helps you with your writing? Right. Cause it's kind of a different, like your customer success journey and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It's a little bit different because that's usually post-sale, um, obviously, cause it's their customer. What totally. have you, what have you learned from doing that to just do your writing in general? Yeah. I mean, like everything, let me backtrack for a sec. So everything within the freelance and contracting space it's it's all about the client experience more so than the work you're actually producing for them and like the work is obviously important like you you need to you need to provide them with a plus quality stuff the best way that you can <clears throat> but what i'm what i'm getting at is is i've seen across the board that if you are a likable person and you're someone who's easy to work with you communicate well you're on time with deliverables they'll but you're like just an average or okay writer a lot of times they'll take you over the great writer that's a complete and total asshole that misses deliverables and and due dates and different things like that that doesn't communicate well you know what i mean and so working within the customer success space is is it's basically the same thing as client success and it it has allowed me to one understand the customer journey way more than i would you know i i work hand in hand with with product managers all the time and like so i i literally see on the back end and and the front end the actual customer journey of like where they start to where they finish and so that impacts how i write copy because I'm actually able to to like let's say a welcome sequence, right? Like I'm able to actually gear emails one through six, one through seven, however many there are, to actually understand the journey that they're going to take every every time they get one of those emails compared to other people who like genuinely just don't have that experience. Like if you're not say you're writing for a SaaS platform, if if you don't actually understand the back end and the front end of the platform, you're never gonna understand the people who you like the audience that you're writing to like that entire experience and journey. And so that's, that's totally opened up my eyes to, to actually being able to understand that from like a user perspective. And then on the other end of it too, it's, it's, it's just relationship building. Like whenever, if someone were to tell me like just a, a one sentence synopsis, if I were to give them a one sentence synopsis of my job, it's, it's literally just to make sure clients are happy and to build relationships with them. That's just, that's, I, I get, I get paid to essentially talk and build relationships with people. And, um, when you can, when you can do that, there's kind of no limit to who you can sign as a client and, and them keeping you on long-term. That's, that's the other aspect of it too. You're not going to burn and turn clients. You're going to, you're going to build relationships with them to the point where they're, they're never going to want to get rid of you. Yeah, there's a lot of the one thing I think people don't realize about writing is that they think that it's it's um, there's not a lot of job security in it, right? So they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you you know, because they think I was thinking writing a book, right? Or they they're always thinking like writing articles or something like that. But yeah, what people don't understand is that if you can get on the business side of writing, um, and it's very creative in terms of everything that you talked about, is you have to kind of think outside the box and get in the customer shoes and kind of like think of creative ways to connect with them and entertain them. But there's a lot of job security in it because you can just point to whoever's paying you and say, here's a direct amount of, especially with today's technology, here's how much money I have made you 
this specific email made this much money, right? Or this yes. customer journey is, this is, I've increased your retention by 20%. Mm-hmm. They're not going to fire you. They're, you're going to be, instead of being that, you know, 24 year old, 20, making $24,000 at the agency where you're the first person cut, like you're the last person cut when you're doing that, yep. you know? Yep. Totally. And it's, it's funny because I honestly wouldn't trade the, the success experience for anything. I, I genuinely, I genuinely believe it's made me a, a better communicator across the board. Like, like you, you can't not be when you're working in this space. Yeah. Well, that's the whole part of writing is communication. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're kind of coming up on the end of our time, but are you, uh, but I wanted to ask you one more question and then we'll kind of go through how people can find you. Are mm-hmm. you working on anything creatively right now in terms of like any kind of like book project or um, anything for on the writing side or outside the writing side, or do you have a, anything in the works of plan that you're going to do in the future? Do you think? Yeah. So not, not on the writing side, but I have been, um, I I'm essentially starting a brand, a fatherhood brand. Uh, it's been on my heart for probably two years now. And, you know, I, we didn't really get into it too much on here, but you know, fatherhood plays a real big factor into everything I'm doing. You know, I, I genuinely don't know if I would have even started taking the freelancing seriously if it, if it wasn't for just a handful of conversations I had with my wife, a handful of just glances at my children of just like, yeah, I'm going to provide them with a different life than, than just a dad who is stuck behind a nine to five forever, that type of stuff. And so, you know, I've, um, I've seen the borderline, I think collapse of fatherhood within Western society as a whole. And it's something that is very near and dear to my heart. You know, I, didn't have the best relationship with my dad as a teenager and young adult. Um, as a child, we were best buds and then it kind of just fell off. And a lot of that had to do with my, my parents split whenever I was 15 and different things like that. So I had a lot of like bitterness and just pent up rage because I didn't have answers to questions that were going on within me. And I wrestled with things and, um, now it's a total, 180. I, I'm, I have the best relationship with my dad I've ever had, even as a kid. And I, I trained him at the gym three days a week. And it's probably been one of the more joyous experiences I've had in my adult life. But I, I see and talk to a lot of men in particular, young fathers or soon to be fathers who struggle with relationships with their fathers, who struggle with just friendships with other men in general, who struggle with porn addictions and you know, everything in between. Um, and, and I, I, I see the need for people to fill the gap in that realm. And so, yeah, I've, I've had this idea for a couple of years now where I'm going to, I'm going to end up working with, uh, our friend Haley and, uh, a few others to, to essentially launch, launch this brand. It's initially going to be merchandise. Um, just because I, I don't know if you've seen, fatherhood merch or even like Christian merchandise, but it's, it's pretty much the cheesiest stuff you can ever find. And it's, it's basically either making fun of at fatherhood or making fun of, uh, you know, the dad bod, right? Like the beer, the beer belly dude at the beach. And so I, I, I want to create a brand that's kind of the opposite of that and, and, and actually be articles of clothing and statements that people would actually want to wear out to in public, wear to church and, and it, and not be a joke. Cause I fatherhood's not a joke. It's, it's 
arguably the most important role in society. And, you know, I know a ton of feminists will attack me for it and I don't really care, but it is, it is hands down the most important role in society. And, and you can't change my mind about that. I'll die on that hill. And so I want to create a place that the dads can grow into the men that they are designed to be. And a lot of that comes from me feeling incredibly inadequate as a father whenever I was younger and having quality mentors in my life that have turned me into who I am today. And it's, it's, I can't thank them enough. And so I want to create a place where myself and others can fill the gap for individuals that grew up without a father who are struggling with addictions and and other issues that they're having. Yeah. Well, that sounds amazing. And I think there's a huge need and demand for that. Um, And so I'm excited to see what you do with that. So, well, listen, dude, it's been great to talk to you today. Um, How do people find you if they want to reach out to you about talking about doing some writing for them or are on the dad side, the father side? How do people find you? Uh, How do they what's the best way to contact you? And uh, go ahead and where where are your socials? Yeah. So uh, Twitter is probably the easiest place. I check that the most. Um, It's Ryan Dietrich is my handle. And then over on LinkedIn as well. I've been getting a little bit more active on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah. I, I like LinkedIn, LinkedIn a lot, to be honest with you. It's it's a good platform. So Ryan Dietrich, you can find me there. I do have an Instagram, uh, same thing. There's Twitter, it's Ryan Dietrich. I have about three posts on it. I genuinely use it for uh, client acquisition. I basically just look at ads on there and uh, target them and send them DMs. But you can find me on there if you want to follow me there too. Yeah. Amazing. And I'll have links for all that stuff in the show notes as well. So, all right, Ryan, well, listen, man, great to talk to you and uh, we'll definitely have in the show again. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Yep. See ya. Congratulations. You made it out of the understory alive. If you'd like to get more content from me where I discuss entrepreneurship, self-producing your own creative projects and writing as a service, you can subscribe to my daily email list at understoryemails.com. Again, that is understoryemails.com.